So my license is expired. Yeah. Well, how did you let your license I, expire? You know, like who does that? No, it's kind of like it, it's the same thing. Like when my passport expired, you just it, it, because it's every ten years, right? And your license is weird because it was I think six years. It's not an, like a it's not like an even thing or whatever. So, and and you know, I looked at it and I knew my when my birthday passed, I was like, oh yeah, but it didn't like occur to me. So I was looking the other day. I, I don't remember what I had to get my license number out for, but. I was like, oh, and I was just double checking something, and I was like, oh. I was like, oh crap, it's expired. Yeah, anybody just watching, <laughs> anybody watching this show or listening to this podcast who knows me knows that my anal retentive ass that just I, I can't that does not compute for me, Brian. I'm sorry. I, I just hate the fact that I have to go to the DPS. I haven't been to the DPS because the last time I did it, it was a, a, a online. It's brutal. So get ready to get ready to stand in line. I'm, I don't know. I mean, it's maybe a new experience now post COVID with all these uh, appointment setting stuff or whatever. We shall find out. Sure. Welcome to Neighbors Don't Knock, the show that brings you hilarious, unapologetic conversations only these neighbors can have. Join them and guests in their weekly mission to expand the neighborhood. Now, here's your hosts, Brian Chambers and Philip Goffrey. What's going on, all you neighbors out there? Hey, hey, hey. Near and far, welcome to Neighbors Don't Knock. If this is your first time, your second time, or your hundredth time, we welcome you to the show, the show where neighbors get together. We uh, expand our neighborhood by meeting new people, businesses, and connecting with the world around us and bringing a little bit more fun and excitement to your lives. Hello yeah, to everybody yeah. on YouTube and wherever you listen to your podcast. I'm hoping this is at least your hundredth time because I was looking the other day and did you know we've dropped over 143 different pieces of content? Yeah, that's really great, which there's a lot of great guests and great neighbors and uh, some really cool experiences. And, and hopefully this season, you guys are going to get more of those experiences because we're doing a lot more on location uh, stuff so that's a, a very exciting but take a moment and it would really help us out if you can hit that subscribe button followed by that notification bell so you never miss any new content follow like and subscribe wherever you get your content or social media and you know we'd love to hear from you you can always check us out at www.neighborsdontknock.com. Indeed, indeed. I like to hear your comments, and we do utilize a service called Pod Inbox. So if you go to Pod Inbox backslash, backslash Neighbors Don't Knock, you can leave us a message that may even get read out on the show. But anyway, I am very, very excited for today's uh, guest that we have with us in studio because it's not often that we sit down with somebody who is quite as badass as this gentleman is today we have a bona fide martial arts sensei in studio wow. we have mr nick poles a uh, little background here so nick started karate when he was three years old he started competing when he was around eight years old got his black belt at the young age of 10 years old has moved to houston and is now working as a sensei at premier martial arts in the heights location it is a fantastic, fantastic place. I've been there a couple times. It's mm. really neat. Nick is a fourth-degree black belt in Shokatan Karate, which just sounds terrifying to me. So without delay, let's get to it. Let's welcome Sensei Nick to the show. What's going on? Hey, thanks for having me. <laughs> did I get all that right? Was that background pretty close? I think you did. I think it's Shotokan. <laughs> Shotokan karate. See, that shows how so, much I know. So apparently hanging out randomly at dojos in your spare time, being creepy, 
I haven't learned enough. You haven't learned enough. Yeah, I haven't that's learned so enough. Apparently. I don't expect anyone to really know that. That's uh, that's pretty insider. I, it's very, so. it's very kind of a. Uh, I don't want to say it's a niche sport, but it it does take a special kind of person. I know my sister was into taekwondo, uh, but the martial arts field in general is you have to really love it to stick with it. Am I? Is that pretty much spot on? I mean, do you see a lot of turnover with kids that come in? Because you teach, right? I mean, I do. We'll, let's dive it straight in. So do you see a lot of kids that come in kind of first year? It's not what they expected. Maybe then they drop out. It's a weird thing because, like, if a kid wants to do soccer or, like, football, they kind of know what to expect, right? They're going to go out on the field. They're going to hang out. They're going to learn how to play. Um, going into, like, a martial arts dojo, um, they don't really know what to expect. They see me yelling, probably. They see a whole bunch of kids, like, loud, key-eyeing. Um, it could be intimidating. So um, I do see kids get intimidated going into it. Um, but one thing, I hate doing, like, the back-in-my-day thing. But um, when I was a kid, I grew up kind of in a very more traditional martial arts place. Well, hold on. I'll, I can set the mood for you. Okay. I think it's a little earlier. All right. So back in your day. Yeah, back in my day, <laughs> it was very traditional, very regimented, very um, not boring, but, you know, maybe wouldn't suit the palette of today's generation. And that's kind of one thing that when I decided I wanted to be a head martial arts instructor of my own place, I wanted to keep like I got a lot of benefits from martial arts, but probably only like three or four of us stuck with it long enough to get those benefits. So I wanted to make it fun and keep them going with it long enough so that they could get those benefits later on. Well, so uh, like example, like what do you mean by fun? I th this is coming from someone who my, my older brother did karate, you know, wanted the, the uniform and the belt. Yeah. And then that was it. It was done. Yeah. Right. I, I never actually did that. I was more in music and all that other stuff. So when you say fun and more engaging, can you give us some examples? Yeah. And let me clarify. So when I say fun, I don't mean like we're playing dodgeball all day. Um, there, that, there's, that would be fun. And I'm sure kids <laughs> find that fun. <laughs> but parents, that's not why they bring them there. Absolutely. Right. Um, so, yeah, not that type of fun. I mean, just like like when I did martial arts and started, we're sitting on our spot and we're sitting there punching. Punching, punching, punching. And yeah, I got good technique from it, but most kids got bored by that. So I try to keep the kids moving. Like I always say sweating, smiling, learning. Like if they're doing all three of those, um, then I feel like I'm doing the, a good job. Like I just want them to enjoy what they're doing. I want it to be hard enough where, you know, they're progressing, but, you know, not so easy that it's just dodgeball. Yeah, I, I kind of feel it's like one of the few uh, teaching professions nowadays that you can still yell at the children. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I can give them like, push-ups. <laughs> exactly. You can I'm have sorry, like teachers physical. out there. Like HISD, I'm sure you'd love to like, give your like kids push-ups. Like football push coaches are like, just like, you know, like mess screwed up. And you're like, good try, kiddo. Yeah. Get out of my You'll face. You'll get them next time. Yeah, yeah. And that's exactly. one of those back in my day things I have to break out of sometimes. Like, I want to just like, oh, you didn't do this? Push-ups. But I don't want push-ups to be a punishment. I want the kids to know that push-ups are making them better and stronger. So sometimes I have to break out of that, too. Like, not just giving them push-ups. Like, I, I have to remember the old versus new a little bit, too. So, so Nick, give us an idea. In terms of your current dojo, yeah. in terms of Premier Martial Arts and the Heights location that you are, you're heading up, yeah. what is the age range of the kids that you're teaching? Like, how young to how old? So we have a three- and four-year-old class. So we have our, like, that's our tiny champs class. So our three- and four-year-olds all the way to, to our teen and adult class. Okay, so, wow. like, sometimes we'll say, like, 
three to sixty five. But you know, so, so you have the whole spread. That, so, that's so three and four. Yeah. Uh, what do you, what do you, what kind of what, what kind of classes? I mean, you don't have to go through detail, but like, I'm just kind of curious. I, I don't have any kids, but I, I'd be curious to hear someone say, "Oh yeah, I signed my my three year old up for for martial arts." Okay, so I started when I was three, and there's a whole range of three and four year old classes out there. Some of them are like rolling a ball around, which oh, okay. I'm sure is okay. Um, Mo- motor skills. Motor skills. I'm, I mean, yeah. That's what we're working on. Like, okay. are they going to be able to do like a kick, spinning kick, jump kick? No. Some of them actually can, but we're like working. I want them to work on balance, hand-eye coordination, and just from me talking and them learning new words, like their vocabulary is going to increase so much. And that's something that since COVID, actually, I've really seen like they lost a lot of time where they were socializing with people and learning to talk, like learning words, learning to look at me and say, hey, like, how's it going? Like, that's something I think is really beneficial for a three and four year old. OK, so so essentially group classes mm-hmm. is similar to and just different, but similar to like Jamboree classes, but just in a very different format. I don't know too much about Jamboree. Um, I would say actually my three and four year old classes, if you put them on a spectrum, are on the harder scale. Um because I'm a martial arts teacher, I don't want like when I was started instructing, the youngest instructors handled that class. Ah, so that's like kind of like where you learn how to crowd control for a class. It can be intimidating, no matter what level instructor you are, when oh, you get yeah. to like levels like that. Because it's because I, I I've worked with kids uh, as swim, and I've yeah. dealt with infants to two, three, four, and adults, and you you have to kind of balance. Yeah, there's a balancing act in learning. It can be super intimidating. To like work with, you know, kids at that age. What so I say I about that. the three and four year old class is anything could happen. An accident could happen. Like, I mean, literally, know, literally, literally an accident yeah. could happen. <laughs> they could run off the mat. They could start crying. They could tell you that your hair looks dumb. Like those kids, anything could happen. So you just have to kind of have a good attitude. And that's something that, you know, opening up my own school and being the head instructor there, like I had to go back to teaching three and four year olds. I had to kind of get back in that fun mood too, not being just like hard. Yeah, no, that's I, I think it's always important. Like I said, I mean, for for swim, it's you know, you gotta keep a smile on while you're dunking a child underwater. Yeah. And 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 be like the parents, like, no, trust me, that you know, I'm doing something good here, right? You I, know? Yeah, I find that kind of fascinating. So so most teachers at least have the benefit of being specialized to one age yeah. group. With you, if you're really heading up this whole dojo, you have to switch gears pretty quickly, yeah. So you're going from like three and four year olds back to back to a teenage class kind of deal. Is that how the so I'm going to, like, in a normal day, I'm going to do a three- and four-year-old class, five- to seven-year-old, eight- to 12-year-old, five- to seven, eight- to 12, teen. Wow. Do you find it challenging to switch gears back and forth on the fly like that, or you're pretty... You know, I guess maybe I'm used to it, but, like, sometimes it depends, like like you said, attitude. Like, if I can have a good attitude going into that three- and four-year-old class, that can sometimes... Just, like, getting them sometimes to do, like, a kick can be so, like, that'll charge me up for the rest of the day. If you go into that three and four year old class like, and it's been a rough day and we've all had them like I'm just like, oh, I'm tired. That could drag your whole day down. It's kind of like a momentum thing. Like, I just know I need to pace and peak my whole day. I know I need to go up sometimes. And I know, I, you know, with my eight to 12 year olds, I can kind of let it ride a little bit and then get my energy back and then keep going. It's kind of just pacing. It's like a marathon runner. Do I you assume. do you have like uh, uh, your cabinets in your place as like breakable boards? So, like, if you have a bad day, you can just go and just, like, smash it. I mean, that's the sound. (laughs) That's it. No, no, no. I was, you know, the Kung Fu Nintendo game. 
Well, yeah. Yeah, that's... I, <laughs> that's I don't. Our, you don't know that one? Oh. I don't. Well... Why do I not know this it, it, I don't know. It's, it, old it's, school, it's a very old game. school yeah. classic game, and and it had that Nintendo sixty four. No, 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 like uh, the original, original. Nintendo. Um, okay. See, uh, and that's where we're we, all dating ourselves now, here. Yeah. Sorry, we date ourselves a little bit. My bad. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, old guys. I don't know what to tell you on that one. That's uh, <laughs> that's not on the Switch. <laughs> uh, anyway, yeah. let's move on yeah, from my, that. My, my Game Boy was black and white, so just throwing <laughs> that out there right Game now. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's right. Uh, okay, so. You you've been doing this for how long now? As as owning your own your own dojo. I don't own it, so we have someone that owns kind of like multiple areas. So we started. Um, we opened up a River Oaks location. Mm-hmm. Uh, me and my program director. He's the regional program di- director. His name's Michael, and he's been instrumental in all of this. But um, we opened up the River Oaks location, and then we moved to the Heights location. So it's been about three years. I think since twenty twenty. Is this a regional thing, or is it a national? kind of like franchise chain type of thing premiere is a national actually i think international okay um, they have uh, overseas schools um but um it's regional too so like you know someone might have like an area like the houston area so we we plan on branching out into like i think bel-air and uh, memorial are our next locations so we kind of have this area so it's now, kind of all over Houston. that's interesting. yeah that's i think it's really great but I, my question is do you have What's the comp? Well, two questions. Yeah. What's the competition like with other dojos and things, especially in this area? And the other thing is, is there a limitation to how many within that international national uh, franchise that you can open in in a certain region? I suppose I'm probably ignorant on some of these details. I don't think, like, I think if you have a region, like, I think we can open up as many in like the Houston area, whatever our region is. Um, in terms of competition, and you mean like business wise, like yeah, 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 like other with other dojos, like what 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 makes yours stand out more than others? What's interesting is I come from California. Um, just a heads up, everybody. Um, I we come forgive from, you. Yeah, I know. He he forgives me. I, I have a I lot was born in California. I have so a lot we're to good. say about this. Um, we're we're good to go in California. <laughs> um, in the valley, especially at the time I was growing up, like there is a karate school on every corner. Um, so I'm used to a more like. There's karate schools everywhere. Well, the valley's not just a myth. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I mean the karate the all valley tournament is not just the, a the myth. The karate kid got some things right, and Cobra Kai maybe even more so. Um, but yeah, they were on every corner. Um, so actually, out here it feels like wide open to me, at least. Um, now, when you say there was dojo in every corner, were they usually just classic karate? Dojos or all sorts of disciplines, and you're gonna find, uh, you know, Taekwondo is gonna be probably the most popular. Um, then karate, and then you're gonna find your more more niche, like your, your jujitsu and other things. Jujitsu is like- a little bit later, actually. That's okay. a little bit more recent phenomenon. Okay, now you'll see jujitsu everywhere. Jujitsu wasn't as big at the time, um, but you're gonna see things like aikido, um, capoeira. Ju- uh, that, that, now, now we're in that crazy niche, niche territory. Um, I've seen the movie. I know. Yeah. yeah. Um, a, a lot of these like arts that I don't want to say MMA kind of killed and run out of business, but kind of like uh, your Aikido is not going to win against a kickboxer. Like once the MMA and the UFC really became big, like a lot of these very niche martial arts, you know, people are like, eh, I don't know. Well, that's very kung fu too. Kung fu. Kung fu. Okay. Yeah. That's very interesting that you brought up MMA and and uh, UFC and things like that. Has has that been a, a super driving force for a lot of people? I mean, do you have a lot of students that have that goal in mind to get to that level? Because it's very different from when it started. Yeah. 
you know, now it's full fledged. Blood sport. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's what I mean. That's kind of what it did. It started kind of like Jean Claude Van Damme's mm-hmm. Bloodsport, or at least heroes. it felt like it. You know, but then it's now expanded in into a very. Uh, I want to. I don't want to. I, I don't even know what to say. Well, the industry, but respected industry, right? Yeah. It used to just be like we're just who one two men in or one man leaves type of thing and now now it's a big money serious big money oh, yeah. you know i mean it's it's bigger than boxing i feel like at this point it definitely changed the martial arts industry in terms of like we used to say there's a quote like my kung fu is better than your kung fu um my karate could beat your jujitsu my like, like everyone the had bruce these, lee documentary yeah, yeah. Stuff, and then yeah. ufc was like okay let's put them in there and we found out pretty quickly so it kind of dispelled a lot of the myths around certain martial arts which mm. was is good which i think is a great thing um i still feel like ufc is a little like at least from what i've experienced with the age ranges i'm mostly dealing with five to twelve their parents don't let them watch it oh uh, okay for a lot it still has that aura of violence i think which i don't you know well, it's real I fighting. Mean, yeah, it's violent. Oh, it's violent, <laughs> it's, it's, but it's great. Yeah, um, it's absolutely uh, violent. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I have a cousin who fights in that, and honestly, it, it, it's hard to watch some of her videos because yeah. they really are pounding on each other. I mean, it is it's violent. What's interesting though is it's probably a lot safer than things like boxing, which I boxing is my after karate. I went to boxing, like that was my second love. Um, you know, in boxing, if you hit me and knock me down, I have. 10 seconds to get up and then I'm probably concussed and then I get to keep going and then I get knocked down again. I'm concussed. And I can keep going like boxing actually, while maybe it doesn't look as violent in terms of now what we know about CTE head trauma, like mm. well, in, with in every, U- every sport really yeah. now they're serious about the head yeah. trauma thing. Sure. I was talking. Yeah. In terms of uh, like the martial arts ones though, like UFC, if you get hit, you go down, they get on top of you for a few seconds, and then the ref stopping it. It's probably actually a lot better and safer than any of the other martial arts ones that we've had before. Well, yeah. what would be considered a serious injury though in, in martial arts within a comp- within a competition level that that you've experienced or that may be common? Oh, common? Yeah, I, I've broken my hand tons okay. of times. Like bro- broken hand, broken feet. Like the bones are so small there. Like. I'm going to try to punch you in the body. You're I'm going to hit an elbow. My hand's going to break like the hands, the feet are those are going to break. Um, you'll see some like a lot of knee, especially the jujitsu stuff. Like you're going to see a lot of knees and elbows like ligament stuff. I, I mean, it's I think it's kind of interesting, but is there a shelf life at that point for I mean, obviously you're an instructor, so you're not going to be doing competitions for forever. But yeah. uh, what is the shelf? Well, I guess what is the shelf life of a competing martial arts athlete? I you know I guess it depends on like what level if we're if we're talking like sport karate like a lot of these guys are competing pretty late now you know mm. what what the big change in the the competition karate stuff has been the tricking which I would classify as like martial arts plus gymnastics right flipping plus kicking it's taken such a rise in level that like if you if you even want to be competitive you got to be doing you know corkscrews which is like a back flip with a full twist like that stuff is going to wear on your ankles and knees after a while. But also training has changed. Um, you know, medicine has changed. Like, you know, back in the day, back in the day, no, I'm not going to play the music, um, no, play the music okay. again, you know, but you, I, I could give you a little. Yeah. <laughs> back, back in the day, you know, you roll your ankle, like you tape it up 
and you kind of nowadays they have rehab they have it, it's a lot better now I, I feel like and you see it with professional athletes in any sport like they're just lasting longer like i just saw lebron james like dunking on people the other day like they're just doing better at how they train. Their well, I mean, look at Tom Brady, who played till 45. Oh, yeah. And he was getting hit, like, you know, by kids that were in their 20s. Yeah, you know? yeah freight trains. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's right. Mike, Mike Tyson and Muhammad Ali, these guys were sparring, like, every day or every other day. Now we... In, in boxing, kickboxing and stuff. Oh, they, oh, you mean, like, actually practicing. I'm sure Mike Tyson was sparring every day when he wasn't training. So, <laughs> yeah, I, but I mean, like, sorry, before he got to his calm Indeed. center. Yeah. Well, I mean, but when, when you're, you know, a little bit earlier, maybe 10, 15 years ago, they were they thought you have to spar. Right. You have to get that in ring like feel. And they would do it every day or every other day. Maybe now you see most fighters are doing maybe sparring once a week, light contact sparring. And I'm talking about professional like UFC fighters like they know now not. That, that's not to good. overdo it yeah, yeah I, I like one somebody described it to me as like you have a ticket and you have so many hits you can take on that ticket and every time you get hit it gets punched and you know you, you're just trying to last as long as you can in the sport yeah and i mean i i totally understand that i i, I get that because no matter what you do you want to last as long as you can especially in a physical aspect i mean it, it it's just the same thing for dancers and gymnasts and and other, and prevent other athletes and stuff i mean you do you want to try but also, don't you feel, and, and this probably doesn't apply to martial arts, but in general, when athletes are trying to do that, professional athletes, they're trying to get large amounts of money, which I which I get because they know that they have a shelf life of what they can play in the sport, but they're also trying to kind of manage it as they go, but they're asking for, you know, it's kind of risk reward, you know, the, the, the less that they are doing, but they're still asking for more at that point. You know what I mean? Like, LeBron James has been playing. Like, you brought up LeBron James. Yeah. He's been playing for so long, and and that man goes, he's kind of, he's... Iron Man. He is. He's the, he's, he's not the exception to the rule. Like, he's, he's one of the, I guess he was, he's not the rule, he's the exception to the rule. Yeah. As I say, you know, he takes care of his body. He's always doing, like, he's always putting in full seasons and stuff like that. And he's only sitting when he actually physically can't. I don't think that that's always the case these days. Mm. You know, I think that's why the Olympics is so exciting because all these athletes and people that come together, though a lot of them, I can't speak for any specifics, but I would imagine that most of them are training every day for so long, you know, to just for that one competition. You you know what I mean? And so I I don't know. It it feels... I understand, and and I'm with you. I understand that we need to know our our body's limitations, and if I was in the sport, I would want to make it last too. But it feels a little unbalanced right now with what professional athletes and people are asking for in compensation with what they want to put their body through, right? Sure. Um, I'd I'd put this in two ways. Boxing and kickboxing is an interesting one because we've seen the effects, though. You see Muhammad Ali late in life. You see these guys who are punch drunk, right? Like we see like there are you they want to get out of the game with their mental faculties too. Like, um, I think that's really important. So I totally get from there and why they want to do that. Mike Tyson was fighting like 20, 30 times in a year. Well, like, well, not to control though, but boxing I think is also a little bit different because you get they promote those fights and you get that money. It's like a purse mm-hmm. right away, right? They're not you're not giving them a four-year, $400 million contract. Sure. Right? Oh, so you're talking about like load management yeah, and like exa- basketball. Exactly, right? Sure. I yeah, mean, Kawhi because it's... On the Clippers, my, ex- my team. Yeah. 
I get it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, exactly. Because boxing, they know. They got to promote. They got to get a purse. You got to get... This is, like you said, long time, long-term repercussions from and the after. physicality. Yeah, and when after. they're 30. Exactly. When they're done boxing, like, what are they going to do? Like, if they can't think. I, I get that. And so that... But they put that all in at... at with different. E- with yeah. each fight. That's so a it's box. A, it's exactly. Yeah. It's a little bit different. But, I mean, sure. I was kind of thinking more along, like, you were talking, like, Kawhi, like, these load management. You, that was exactly right. Yeah. Um, do you think that that is kind of how martial arts is is going in that kind well, of realm? it's kind of a sore topic right now because as we're talking, just a couple days ago, karate was just removed from the Olympics. I had a few kids, like, I, I trained kids to get onto the USA karate team. They were on the USA karate team, so I, I'm... I'm familiar with it, and I really supported it. They it did not look good in the Olympics. Wait, they took karate out, but yet they got skateboarding in. Skateboarding's awesome. I skateboard. I, I have nothing against skateboarding, but I'm just like. Did you watch karate during the Olympics? I did. So like, I, I'm I'm also Olympics like kind of nut. Like okay. I, I'll watch if something's on or there's I will watch a little bit of everything. I'm I have of course I have my favorites. So like but. I was watching the karate in the in the Olympics and. I'm not going to call myself an expert, but I feel like I know what I should have been looking for. And I was confused. So I couldn't imagine anybody else watching. And then I was watching the gold medal fight. And, you know, the guy threw a kick. The guy kind of leaned into it and got knocked out. And the guy that threw the kick lost the gold medal match for too much contact. Right. So in an age of MMA and UFC, that's really bizarre. People are watching the Olympics and go, wait, the guy that just won the gold medal got knocked out. Yeah, I totally knew right then and there it's not coming back. Okay. That I mean that does seem odd, you yeah. know. That's yeah. tragic. I think that's absolutely ridiculous. Especially you were saying that tricking is becoming really really popular right now yeah. and that competition is rising. You would think that the Olympics would be a great platform to strive for for that kind of stuff and to hear that they just messed it up on I mean, I don't I don't know how to put that on being lame. That's that's very weird. It just comes down to, you know, the Olympics need rules, right? A rule set. And if you're doing point fighting karate, too much contact is a problem. Um, well, it's not the same fencing as like, oh, you you lunge you too, him too, too hard. hard. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I think like I totally, no point for you. I yeah. think in any tournament, yeah, if you kick someone and you knock them out, that's probably too much contact. I, but I could see from a lay person watching it being like. Wait, I just saw like you know Volkanovski today, you know, get knocked out from a head kick that he didn't win. Like, um, I could see them being like confused yeah. and not wanting to watch it again. And for, that makes sense. And forgive the. It's uh, a consumer. Like the Olympics is a consumer. You know, like, absolutely. And, and when for, it comes down to it, forgive the ignorance on this, but you just mentioned someone who I assume is a very famous martial artist. Yes. Okay. Yeah, there was a big <laughs> UFC fight just a couple hours ago. Yeah. I, I don't. I'm not a huge UFC MMA fan, but I mean, I I've watched before and and I'm not huge but, into it. Either. But I've seen stuff that I don't follow. So so anytime you start throwing some names around, I may be like asking who they Absolutely. are <laughs> yeah so okay so as this relates to to pma and to your dojo what are you instructing there are you doing all classic karate or is there mixed martial arts involved how's that structured in your place of business so premier martial arts is mixed martial arts they're they're taking kind of uh the kicks and some of the strikes from karate or taekwondo depending on where because you know they're hiring instructors from all over the place right so we all come from different backgrounds um so you're going to take stuff from karate, kind of the base foundation. You're going to take kickboxing. And then for our self-defense, we use Krav Maga. So kind of a mixture of those three are going to be the, our main curriculum. So Krav Maga, that tends to be pretty popular in terms of the self-defense aspect of martial arts now, yeah? 
I, to be quite honest, I was not super familiar with Krav Maga coming into Premier Martial Arts. That would definitely be, you'll see some instructors in Premier Martial Arts coming from Krav Maga, and then they kind of got to pick up some of the karate stuff. I was all of the karate stuff and kickboxing. Krav Maga was the stuff I had to kind of learn being hired by Premier. So what did that look like? Are you are you are you in Houston at this point, already working for Premier Premier, excuse me, and you're training under Krav Maga now, or was that like a train up in California, then come? I, you know, when I got the kind of offer and the you know talking to come out here, I just drove out here. Um, you know, it was in the middle of the pandemic. I was teaching not even karate anymore. The only place I could find, I think, it was Hapkido. Um, I was teaching Hapkido in a field, I guess, a park with everybody six feet apart and with masks. And it wasn't really a job anymore. But during the pandemic, I just realized, like, it's time to get a big boy job or, you know, do something else. Like, it, karate didn't seem like a viable option anymore. And Premier really offered me the opportunity to come out. So I was like, I'm going. So I just drove. And then when I got here... When you get hired, you go to like a, a week long um, kind of training in Knoxville where they have their um, headquarters. Um, and then you have to go to a couple. You have to fly out for a couple different instructor trainings. And then uh, I imagine it's continuous education, right? With, with working for them. Do they do continuous education and certifications? Uh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're constantly they have a really good setup, especially now the pandemic really helped in this aspect where like we can learn through Zoom. We can learn through they have websites and stuff like all the curriculum is up there, how to teach it, how to do it, how to learn it. So that type of stuff, I was constantly learning it. And, and then I went and took my black belt test over there with them. Now you've never been. And this is your first time in Texas. Yes. Okay, yes, sir. So when you, oh, <laughs> you go, Lord, you said, sir. <laughs> now you're aging me. We're trained to. <laughs> so I, I, I appreciate that. I that sign of respect right there. Uh, so yeah, you old fucker. I know, right? <laughs> Thanks, right? <Yes. laughs> hey, I, they say it to me all day long. <laughs> Rooney. <laughs> uh, but okay, so did you feel you're like, well, I'm good with martial arts, and I have to go to Texas? You know, do I need to be gun trained or anything like that? Did you have any preconceived uh, notions of coming to Texas? Or like, you're like, at least I, I won't get mugged by way to, somebody. Way to pick on the West Coast guy, man. <laughs> I, yeah, that's I, uh, no, no. I, but I'm, I'm always curious because, I mean, saying the first time, there's a lot of people that have no idea because Houston is not West Texas. You know, Houston's the fourth largest city, but te it's Texas. But, we Texas don't know. but Texas in it's general. Texas. We I, didn't know. I I, always, I, know. I thought before I moved down here, uh, tumbleweeds from Anchorage, guns, tumbleweeds, bourbon. they're real. That's it. I've I've witnessed Cowboy them. Boots. I witnessed You've tumbleweeds. Tumbleweed? I have witnessed tumbleweeds in, oh, in I West Texas. Okay. Well, you're not gonna see them in Houston. <laughs> oh, okay. But I have witnessed tumbleweeds in West Texas, like in the towards the Panhandle up towards okay. Lubbock, where I went to school. But coming down here, I still remember when my dad told me we're moving, and we were living in Anchorage at the time. And I asked him, I was like, do we have to ride horses to school? Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I was like a legit concern. I was just like, uh, so so tell me, what were your thoughts about Texas and what are your concerns about moving? Maybe not even concerns, but curiosities. Okay, so you asked if we had preconceived notions. Uh, yeah, yeah. Straight up biases, right? Like, <laughs> we think, right, everyone has a gun, like on their hip, like sheriff style, like uh, cowboy hats and stuff. I, the I grocery would, store the, when the doors open, <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, the saloon doors. Just, yeah. I don't feel like paying today. All right, let's yeah. take it on the streets. You know, yeah. And you call uh, me yellow. I, I would. My whole life was that right. Like in California, Texas is almost 
Texas and maybe Florida or something are like a like a joke, like a backhand. So, oh, always Florida. Oh, what are you? Always Florida. Well, you know. <laughs> some weird things happen. I, 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 we I, haven't, say, we, I haven't lost that one. We, we always say the crazies end up in Florida. I love Florida. <laughs> um, Florida was my other option. Um, but yeah, like growing like growing up, my whole life was like that. But I would say I hate to keep bringing up the pandemic, COVID. Um, a lot of switches happened then. Like living in California, you saw it all kind of deteriorate like really quickly. And you were like, at least I was like, I, I don't know if this is good. Um, and especially having seen like places like Texas and Florida that we're talking about being crazy, thriving. Oh, and, yeah. And still being good. A lot of us, I think from what I've heard, a lot of Californians moved. Like, oh, yeah. uh, oh an insane amount of people came I, I that live in Austin and Houston from California. Absolutely. I'm worried and about Dallas, Austin, but and Dallas. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I think a lot of us were just like, I don't think this is um, this isn't good long term for a lot of us, you know, who didn't want to do that. So a lot of those biases and misconceptions I had were erased before I even came here. I was so excited to come here. Like um, it, it's been nothing but great. And I, I was excited to come here. I didn't have everyone's been nothing but nice. Um, I don't even I have one parent who because he's a police officer carries a weapon besides that i don't think i've seen one um yeah yeah these are things that like yeah. just as a california you think they've got guns they've got this it's the same essentially like people are yeah. people um i think a lot of us were just worried about things we couldn't control like can we run our business can we stay open like the the martial arts place i grew up and worked at was closed for 18 months straight Wow. Yeah, that's, that's no, a long none of them time survived. Keep those doors closed. Like I said earlier about there was a karate place on every corner. There's not now in the valley. Like, and, and they're you gone. Grew, you grew up in LA proper? I mean it's the valley. So um yeah, it's still LA County. You grew up in the valley. Okay. So yeah. okay. So yeah. So so Houston wouldn't be that unfamiliar to you in terms of like layout and being no, in a big like city. It's very spread out. It feels yeah. like the suburbs, what we would call the suburbs at least. Yeah. 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 Okay. So I mean I'm I'm glad to hear you've had a good transition and a good experience. I mean, it's uh Texas is a place I never thought that I would ever call home. And even when I traveled after college and everywhere else and living, you know, I always come back. I met my wife here. We always call Houston home. I mean, it's, it, re it really is. So it, I, I'm it, happy to hear that someone else is, is having a good experience. I love California sure. and there's so many great things about it. And it, it kind of sucks that like just a certain couple of things, I, I don't want to say the government, but whatever is like managing California is kind of ruining it because I would live there. I would have opened a business there. Like, well, I mean, I love, I, I love New York and just, I, I have family from New York, but I'm, I don't want to go live in New York. I, I would totally live in California. It just, so, you know, I mean, yeah. if, if, I, if I could, if I could survive, right. Like, like you said, like if you could survive and you could make a living, then going to places like California or New York are, are feasible to some people. Great I mean, place. but just, yeah. Yeah, you have to be able to run a business. I mean, without any doubt. And I think it's tragic that California's gone the way that they have and they'll probably They're figure out the yeah. errors. They're figuring yeah. out. Yeah, the air in their ways. So how does it how did it work though? So you're teaching Hupkido, everyone's masked up, they're all socially distancing, you're trying yeah. to do your thing. How did PMA find you to bring you these opportunities for Houston or Florida? Well, like I said, I was like on on the fence between two like I was in law school. I was in, you know, I was finishing up my first year of law school. I thought time to get a big boy job, right? Um, and then I had a friend who took his family and moved out here and he said, Hey, maybe just look around. And so I just kind of switched, like I have indeed, 
I don't know if you guys know Indeed, um, work job. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. Looking for jobs. So I kind of switched it from California <laughs> to the I'm Texas not, area. I'm not that old, I guess yeah. I should say. <laughs> I do Indeed. Yeah. But, but, but I appreciate that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no worries, sir. <laughs> thank, um, you. Thank, thank you, sir. Um, um, right, but keep going. I apologize. And, um, so I kind of switched like my, the area I was looking for to Texas. And then, um, you know, Mr. Kenningham, who is who kind of runs this area, just reached out to me, was looking for martial, you know, saw my experience and he said, Hey, would you think about maybe moving out to Texas? I was like, when do you want me? He's like, oh, maybe in a couple of weeks. I was like, it says three days that I can, you know, I can drive there in three days. And he's like, Oh, okay. And there I did that. There awesome. you go. I just so packed you got it up and I was like, I'm out. See some beautiful countryside going through Arizona, well, New Mexico. Well, right oh about <laughs> at San Antonio, um, which I think was like it said an hour and a half away still on my thing. Um, it froze about three years ago. I don't know if you oh, you that. came during Freeze Mageddon. I came during Freeze Mageddon. Oh. I didn't know it had oh. a name. February. <laughs> yeah, it was February. I drove out here and I just remember seeing the things on the. Uh, what do you guys? It's not a freeway. Um, a loop. No nope. freeway. Well, freeway? The, loop, the loop oh. is one that goes the, around. The loop the is just yeah. literally. It's, uh, it's a, a circular freeway. It's still freeway. It okay. I was on the freeway. City it said, was designed like, by drug dealers. That's how you can tell. That's I, Each I city was different. Was on different drugs. I'd like to say that everyone was just kind of high when they designed the highways around here. <laughs> just like they're like looping and connecting or whatever. Yeah. So I'm thinking like more more like uh, more like hard drugs for Dallas. <laughs> like that's why. Dallas seems cool too. That's why it's DFW and not like they couldn't distinguish that. So I anyway, at, I was at San Antonio and it said like get off the road, it's about to freeze, and I was like I'm a, I'm an hour away. I drove five miles an hour from San Antonio to here. And wow, you drove through it. I drove through it. Well, I had nowhere to go. Um, I had nowhere to stay, so I got there. I found someone who was renting an apart. You know, I found an apartment person, and I was just like, I'll take it. Yeah. It had no heat. It had no water. It had nothing. And I was like, man, Texas is not. <laughs> great. Um, so that was my first experience with Texas, but after that, it was all great. Yeah. Well, like, oh, they have their own electricity grid. That's cool. Well, it doesn't pe people, work. That's yeah. no, 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 no. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. People here during that time were like, Texas is not great. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> oh yeah, people were like trying to like light the barbecues like in their houses or something. They're just not. They, a lot of people just weren't equipped to deal with that kind of cold. It's just it was uh, a mind blowing type of thing. But but I, what I will tell you this that and and. Uh, my my fellow Texans and neighbors, uh, you guys are all loyal. Uh, that's one thing you will find that people yes. from here are very loyal. They, you know, we go through, you know, hurricanes and freezes and things like that. And uh, I I don't think, you know, granted I'm I'm biased for for being here and living here longer than other places. How long have you been here? We moved down here in ninety, nineteen ninety. Um, and then I was kind of during college, I was away and then I lived overseas for a few years and came back. But <clears throat> I will say that having family that's not, you know, based in Houston originally, um, up in the East coast and area and stuff like that, they are just so surprised to see how, uh, communal that people can be. Here, like you know, the, just the the camaraderie that that comes and and the bonding experience that you have when you get that. It's off you know, putting it, at first. It, yeah, well, it's, you walk it, around, you're like, why are people saying hello? Why are people looking at me? Like, what? Like, yeah, you yeah, almost want to yeah. do this. Like, what are you looking at? Thing. Like, Mind your yeah. business. Yeah, in L. A. We kind of <laughs> we you know keep our headphones on. We walk you know looking down. Like it's it's off. It's almost like it's a culture shock for sure. Yeah, yeah. it's 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 neat that it's very different but I have never with as much as we've experienced with with everything that's happened uh natural disasters and other things here 
you're, you're going to learn that you're never going to be short on someone that will offer you Absolutely. help. That, that's kind of the the really wonderful thing, uh, especially as Houstonians. I, it's, I very, it's very true. I've, I've been through a few disasters here since I moved here in uh, 2003. And, you know, same deal, like uh, you know, Harvey and hurricanes and Freeze-Mageddon and all of that. And the community really does come together. But I will say, you know, I was in New England for 9-11 and the same thing mm. happened in New York. People came well, together. I mean, it yeah. maybe take a, a little bigger jolt. It was definitely a big. It happens a big more job. often yeah. here, though, you right? Know, like, it, I, I would. This is true. People I would say a once that. in a lifetime thing. Indeed. Yeah, yeah. And, and I shouldn't say that. I mean, I guess that's. I, I guess on the flip side of that, like you said, for New England, yes, you notice it more with things like nine eleven. I'm sure it was still happening, but like you, like you mentioned, like people get have yeah. their have their way though. You know, culturally, they that's what they do. You know, it's like. Yeah. Off-putting is a good way to put it. I had the same experience. I moved down here. It took me a couple of years to really get used to it. The people just genuinely want to say, have a nice day, and they mean it. And also <laughs> the speed. Like, um, I'm used to, you order quick. You you go quick. You move quick. You move, you, you in your, if you're in H-E-B, um, you push the cart quick. You now, move, did you, you call it the right. Heb? Did you call it the Heb, or did you actually say H-E-B the first time? Did you, did you call it People the, call it the Heb? Yeah, no. well, I've never even heard of H-E-B until I moved here. But, well, no, no. We no, have Albertsons and Ralph's. I know Albertsons, uh, uh, but okay. H-E-B is, is strictly a Texas thing. Oh, it's like it runs the state, don't you think? Oh, you think they have a secret? Between, like, oh, for sure. Between people like say, like, H-E-B people say, like, the dark people, like, it's H-E-B. <laughs> They're running the state. Yeah. Oh, yeah, a whole lot more than Walmart. Then you think a Walmart oh, yeah. would be. So, yeah, it's H-E-B and Specs oh, yeah, yeah. run Walmart, this place. Walmart runs Arkansas, and H-E-B runs Texas. That's pretty much how that goes. They have some pull. Hey, neighbors, thanks for checking out the episode. To learn more about Premier Martial Arts and all the incredible things that Sensei Nick and his team are doing right here in Houston, be sure to tune in to part two of Why Martial Arts.